0: This episode of Bringing the Backups is sponsored by Hot Sauce. Comedian Dave Yates had an idea to teach himself how to make hot sauce, and people liked it so much, he started selling it as merch after his shows. Combining orange, pear, apple cider vinegar as the base with the Carolina Reaper, which is the hottest by Guinness record, Dave has made a hot sauce that is both flavorful and hot. You can pick up a bottle from Dave Yates after a show or at HaHaHotSauce.com. This episode is also brought to you by the front of my boot. With comedians getting attacked on stage recently, the front of my boot is here to help. As in, if I'm ever on stage doing stand-up and you try to attack me, I will kick you in the face and knock you out. Then I'll kill you. Then I'll kill your entire family. Then I'll skin your corpse and wear your dead, flabbergasted face around to parties with your friends and say racist things so everyone thinks you're a backwards moron. Then I'll stage a death scene where it looks like you got trampled while blowing horses. Then I'll invent a time machine, go back to the moment I kicked you in the face, and do it all over again. The front of my boot, in conjunction with biting your nose off. If you're one of these mindless human skin tags come to life that like attacking comics, you can count on the front of my boot going straight up your humorless ass. Lastly, we're brought to you by Aquaman 2. If you love the original movie with Jason Momoa as Arthur Curry and Amber Heard as Mara, you'll love the sequel set in an underwater Virginia courtroom where we peer into Aquaman and Mara's divorce. Chock full of verified, documented domestic abuse from Mara. Strap in and watch Arthur Curry talk about falling off the wagon, Mara cutting off his finger, and finding Mara's poop in his bed. Also starring the Me Too movement and everyone in the ocean being spineless wimps, it's Aquaman against the odds like you've never seen him before. Losing to the monster, even though he's clearly the good guy. In theaters until last Friday, now it's gone, but I think it's back on May 16th or something. Aquaman 2, directed by Jesse Smollett. Oh, what is up? Welcome to Bringing the Backups. I'm your host, Eric Helwig. On the show today, I'm talking to comedian Dave Yates, who you can follow at Yates Comedy on Instagram. And we're talking backup quarterback, Oakland Raiders, three touchdowns and 16 picks, Andrew Walter. My wife, Liz, comes in to the show for a little bit. We do play some voicemails, which you can be a part of, by dialing 323-716-6072. One more time, that number. 323-716-6072. I tried to do it to the tune of the music. Uh, Call in and leave a voicemail. I do have my show Barely Making It L.A. coming back. It's got The Federal in North Hollywood. That's going to be on May 19th, 8 p.m. Free show with my co-host, Rich Ruiz and Madison Davis. Come check that show out. I'm still in the Vale Comedy Festival, obviously, at the end of May. I just got accepted to the North Carolina Comedy Festival and the Comedy Chateau Comedy Festivals. All those dates at EricHelwig.com. Please check them out. Come support live comedy. I've, I've kind of hung up my cleats while I had COVID the last two weeks, so I'm making up for it. End of May, into June, a lot of shows, a lot of bookings. So love to have you support that. To support this show, you know what to do. Apple Podcast five-star review. Follow on Spotify, follow me on YouTube. Follow my bands in town, which is on my website. Hit the little track button, and you will never miss me when I come into your town for a show. That's it, it's gonna be a great time. Enjoy bringing the backups, and here come the Yamis to kick it off. Grab your gear and lace it up. Bring in the backups. I'm back, baby. I'm back from uh, the COVID episode. All right. And this episode, I do have a comedian that actually came on the show. I was feeling well enough to have a comedian come in. I wasn't feeling great, but I wasn't contagious. So that comedian later on the show is going to be Dave Yates. So we're working towards a, a conversation with our friend Dave. Uh, you know him. He's a very funny stand-up comedian he writes on uh dumpster fire with bridget phetasy and a bunch of other stuff he's a hilarious guy so hang out for that conversation i had with him which was like a it felt like a serious conversation about comedy which i liked i like having those once in a while you know it's not all just fucking sunshine and rainbows on this motherfucker sometimes we got to talk how how do we make fucking money doing this shit so we talked about that and he made fun of me buying uh uh sneaker cleaners, so that was basically the interview we liked, loved having Dave on, and then on the podcast in a minute here, we're going to talk about Andrew Walter, who might be my favorite guy I've ever researched on the podcast, and I'm, we're going to get to exactly why, um, but he's great, uh, he feels like he uh, has struggled in life, <laughs> he's been humbled by life a little bit, and we're going to talk all about it. Uh, I, I think we'll probably talk about his post, uh, NFL career as much as we'll talk about his NFL career, but look onto on the questions that you guys have been asking. And that question is a simple one. Did I die of COVID? Is this my ghost hosting the show? And the answer is no, I lived, I survived COVID. Thank you. I did it. I did it. So I, for my mom, you know, I wanted her to, you know, it's not Right. You know, you know, a mother should not bury her son, I, I, and I wanted to make it through Mother's Day, which I did. I thought this was an important Mother's Day. I feel like this Mother's Day was really a chance to spend hours thinking of clever abortion tweets while forgetting to actually call your mom. That's what this felt like. Go. Oh, do we get into Roe v. Wade? No, probably not. People want to hear my fucking centrist take on it, which will just piss off everybody now. No, we'll steer clear of that one on the comedy sports podcast. We talk more about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. I mean, Jesus Christ, how many fucking terrible takes can there be? I was listening to this one podcast that was like, I found your testimony compelling. It's like, did you? Did you also think Cannonball Run 2 should have won an Oscar? What the fuck are you talking about? Dude, never, ever ever. Has someone been more guilty than Amber Heard? I mean, it's insane. It's insane. I don't know. I I I, I love Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, so that's that's where that's that's my bias. <laughs> I don't know any fucking movies Amber Heard has been in. And also she's clearly guilty and admitting it on tape. But you know, what the fuck do we know? You know, how compelling is it really to confess multiple times to kicking the shit out of your husband and cutting his fucking finger off? Jesus. <laughs> you know, the legal system doesn't always help men. Can we say, Can we say it? Is, it? is it fair? Can we say that sometimes? Well, actually, well, when we talk about uh, our boy Andrew Walter, we'll talk a little bit how the legal system has treated him in his post-NFL career because, man, oh, man, does he have some takes that we'll go over. But, look, the point of all this crap was that I don't have COVID anymore. I still kind of feel like shit. I mean, I basically just canceled everything. So uh, I the stand-up shows will come back in, like, I have a festival I'm going to. It's the Vale Comedy Festival, if any what – are, what are the chances somebody from fucking Vale is listening to this now? But, anyway, if you're there, I guess hang out until Memorial Day, and I'll be there. And then once I get back, I've already started booking stuff in uh, LA for June. But I'm just kind of like, I don't know, man. I was already pretty run down when I got COVID, so I feel like that did not help. So now I'm like, I have to go to bed. I can't be I can't be staying up till twelve o'clock at night editing this podcast. Okay, the levels might be off on this one. Your boy has to get some sleep, wake up, and go to work. I Like those are like the priorities right now: sleeping and working, and then, you know, whatever comedy. I'll I'll, I'll come coming back to it. All right, you're getting your podcast for now, and then uh, at some point in the future here, I'll have some dates to tell you. But oh boy, the body canceled my May dates. Let's just put it that way. And every time I sniffle, my wife is like, "Long COVID? Do you have long COVID?" And I'm like, "No, I don't have long. I'm just I've only I'm I'm day whatever day this is." day like 18 of you know ground zero covid lung invasion version so you know my understanding is that a lot of people um have you know you don't feel great you don't feel yourself fully and so that's kind of you know it's i'm like getting back to it but i have like a little bit of um you know, like I'm gay now. Like that happened. I turned, <laughs> I turned gay. Can't do it. Can't tell jokes like that. All right. That's why I had the can't do it lined up there. All right. Look, Uh, here's what we're going to do. My wife is downstairs making dinner, but I, I like having somebody here for the voicemails to kind of answer them with me. So uh, Liz will come into the podcast here later. I'm going to edit her in to do the voicemails. So this is what's gonna happen. If she's not here, you're gonna hear the intro to the voicemails, and then right after the intro, Liz will be here. So check this out. Check out this little magic bit of editing that's gonna happen right here. Bring in the backups' voicemail. Derek. No, it's Liz. not. Yes, I'm, it is. No, it's not. You want me to? You want to record this episode in the mo- in the in, in the show Hamilton? I'm
1: still eating. A Reese's peanut butter cup. I
0: told you to finish before the podcast you started. You
1: think uh, that Angela's lime, Angelica, Angelica's lime? Yeah. Is say it.
0: She goes. I'm just saying we should start a harem. She's trying to fuck. No, it's, she's trying to fuck her she sisters. Say, she does husband not say and her sister start a harem. No, it's sick. She
1: says, I'm just it's saying sick. if you really love me, you would share them.
0: Ew, that's not any better. That's not any sounds better. A what does sharing him mean?
1: I mean, like, they take turns.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Are they in the same room?
1: <laughs> For somebody who's as opposed to like the
0: twin <laughs> fantasy that men's have, this sounds pretty fucking close. I'm just saying you should share him.
1: I'm just saying if you really love me, you would share him.
0: Ew. Nasty. But it's not, I'm
1: just saying we should start a harem.
0: Liz. Uh, we can't do this. I, 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 I'm editing you in after I've already played the intro to come, this bit.
1: Come for the backup quarterback. Stay for the musical theater. This is my wife. Hits.
0: This is my wife, Liz Galalas. You can find her at Liz Galalas on Instagram and Twitter. Don't call uh, me a cunt. The f- Don't call her a cunt. The um, Don't call it a cunt back. Um... <laughs> Oh, God. (laughs) Uh, 323-716-6072. That's the number to call in to be on this section of Bringing the Backups where we answer voicemails. With that said, Liz, you ready to hear our first call? Yeah. You mind hopping off that phone real quick? Unbelievable. I heard the click of a phone.
1: Yeah, turning it off. All right. Because I'm giving you my full attention.
0: All right. We're starting with a fight. Oops, did I fuck that up? <laughs>
2: Hang
0: on. <laughs> there was like such a dramatic pause. Should I leave the dramatic pause in? No. Okay.
1: What is this? <laughs> what is, what is
0: play? I have no idea what's playing right now. Where is this music coming from?
1: Like a karaoke track. Oh, I, you... know, I
0: know it. was from my my royalty free music, which means I'm allowed to play it. Oh,
1: good. I was wondering about that. Okay, I was like, this You're is have to edit that This out. is
0: the worst segment I've ever started. Okay, hang on. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. First call.
3: Hello, Eric. Tis I, the NFL Riddler, again. I have a riddle <laughs> for you, Eric. Which team in the 2022 NFL draft scored the highest marks. Oh. I repeat, which NFL team in the 2022 draft consistently scored the highest marks?
0: Highest marks—that would be the Eagles. <laughs> be the Eagles or
3: <laughs> answer wisely, Eric?
0: I think the Lions. No,
3: I'm sorry, that's wrong. The Dallas Cowboys had the highest. No, they marks. didn't. Most, most <laughs> of which were on their
0: girlfriend's faces. <laughs>
1: Till next time.
0: Oh, oh god. <laughs> oh, Riddler. 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 So many of these jokes center around domestic violence. Mm. It's tough stuff. It's tough stuff. Um, all right. Well, <laughs> it's a good riddle. <laughs> Most of their marks on their girlfriend's faces. Riddler's crushing it with those with those jokes. Okay, let's go to our next caller.
1: Hey, this is Adele from St. Paul. Um, I have a question. What will last longer, the USFL or the XFL? Okay, that was my question. Bye.
0: You did not disguise your voice enough. That's clearly you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm realizing now that I shouldn't be having Have you answer your person. own questions. I don't
1: even know. You just sent me
0: Well, do you want to do you want to go ahead and take that question though? What do you think? I XFL don't even or remember USFL? what I
1: said. What's the I don't know what either of those things are. Well, it was
0: Adele from St. Paul and the her question USFL? was the
1: USFL The
0: USFL or the XFL, which the will United last United
1: States Football League. You got it. Oh, what was the other one? UXL? XFL. XFL, the Extreme Football it's just League. It's just the fat
0: football league.
1: X. Extra large football league. <laughs>
0: XFL is now it's in its third iteration. It's what gonna, is
1: XFL?
0: So it was originally like... Ecstasy
1: yeah, football
3: you, league. That's what
0: it is. You do ecstasy and you play football. <laughs> um, no, it used to be like it was wrestling. So it was like Vince McMahon owned it. Everybody thought it was going to be like you get choke slammed at the goal line and like it was going to be like half wrestling, half football. But it wasn't. It was just kind of like okay football. And then... It went away, and then it came back like three years ago, two years ago during COVID. It, it came back right as COVID before COVID happened, and it was crushing it. It was doing really well, and then COVID kind of tuned it. out, and then COVID killed it. I'm sorry. Okay, anyway, I'll just answer the question myself. I think the I think unfortunately the XFL will do better because the Rock is behind it, and he's just in everything now. Like, uh, but the USFL is fun, man. The Washington Generals are crushing it. You got the Birmingham Stallions are playing very well. They're playing some good football. And my boy, uh, oh, fuck, what's his name? Jeff Fisher is coaching the Michigan Panthers. They're 1-3, and three, but they should be 2-2 two and because two, the kicker missed the kick to end the game. So I don't know. I'm loving the USFL. I love that there's like 10 people at the games. I think it's incredible. I, I'm really loving it, but I have no idea if that's going to survive. XFL's got more uh, longevity, unfortunately. All right, let's go to our next call. Liz, anything you want to add on that before we move on to our next call? No. Okay, great.
3: Hey, this is the NFL Riddler again. <laughs> I ordered sweet and sour pork over an hour ago. I'm at 100 Riddler Way. My house has a 500-foot question mark suspended in air above the roof, and it's viewable from space. Plus, I'm the only house on the block, so I refuse to believe the driver missed my home. I'd like a discount. You said 25 minutes, and I'm up. God
1: damn it, this is bringing the
0: backups again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the Riddler, uh, looks like he made a fake call there. Tough stuff.
1: Oh, he meant to call the Chinese food place. He meant place, to call the
0: Chinese food place his food. Called,
1: bring, he, guess he has the on-speed dial. But once
0: you're at an hour, I don't think you're- uh, I don't think you're getting your You're food. not getting your food. No. I did not know that the question mark above his house was viewable from space. It's the Great Wall of China and mm-hmm. the NFL pyramids? Riddler's home. The pyramids and, and then- the Riddler's home. Those three, those three 100 things.
1: 100 Riddler Way. Yeah. What state is that in?
0: 100 Riddler Way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We could Google it. Google it. Google Maps it. I'm not going to Google Maps it right now.
1: Remember Google Earth? Is that still a thing?
0: Google Earth? Do you remember
1: Google Earth?
0: Oh, where you can like see the. You could,
1: like see the, the Earth and you can like zoom in to all different parts.
0: Are you really asking if that's a real thing? Do
1: you remember it? I'm we asking used, you if you remember it. We,
0: yeah, we used it on a call with your lawyer like three days ago.
1: No, that wasn't Google Earth. What was that? It's just Google Maps.
0: Oh, I don't know the difference.
1: Hey, Eric, this is
3: Lisa calling from Columbia, Missouri. Wanted to know, Missouri. when are we going to hear about
1: Chase Daniels? Go Tigers.
0: Missouri. Is that how they Missouri? pronounce Missouri? I don't know. Missouri? Is that like a Norfolk instead of Norfolk thing? I don't know. Uh, Chase Daniels is a former Missouri Tigers quarterback. Chase Daniels has to come on the show. You don't care about this, but he is a backup quarterback. He's played like three games in the NFL. He's made like $50 million because he keeps getting – he got signed to multiple big contracts to go be the starter and then would get injured or somebody else would take his spot. So he's 35 years old. He's played like no football. And he's made more money than most, play, most players in the league or most anybody will ever make in their life. He's gotten the most bang for his buck. You do not care. Wow. But that's okay. Chase Daniel, he, he, the answer, um, Lisa, is yes. 100%. I will get Chase Daniel on this podcast. And he has a podcast, so maybe I can get him on this podcast. That'd be cool. He'd be a cool get. He'd be a great get. I mean, the show out. really should be... That's a good point. Okay, well, I'm taking note of that very much. Let's go to the next caller we have here.
3: Hey, Eric, this is George from Vegas. Um, I just wanted to see if you think that this year's AFC West has
2: the best quarterbacks per division of all time. I mean, we're here with uh, Carr, and he's by far the worst, and he's still... Probably a mid tier quarterback. I just can't think of any other time where there would have been this many good quarterbacks in one division. Thanks.
3: I
0: love the podcast. All right. Thank you, George oh, from nice. Vegas. Yeah. Thanks, George. From George. George from Las Vegas. Um, that's look, the quarterbacks in the West are insane. Patrick Mahomes, arguably best quarterback in the league, right there with Rodgers, probably better than Rodgers. Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson now, and then you got Derek Carr. So I was thinking who are the best all time. There was years in the AFC East where it was Marino and Jim Kelly, two Hall of Famers. But a lot of the great quarterback rivalries in NFL history, they were not in the same division. So I looked it up. Liz, how about this one? Y.A. Tittle versus Norm Van Brocklin.
1: Is that a real name?
0: Y.A. Tittle. That
1: can't be a real name.
0: Y.A. That's not a real name. Tittle. Tittle. Why a tittle? That's not real. It's, why would I make it up?
1: Why a tittle?
0: Norm Van Brocklin. Why Nor- a tittle versus those Norm sound Van Brocklin? Made up. Norm Van Brocklin's that real. Fake. Okay, well, just I say refuse
1: to just, accept that those are real it's names. It's not even
0: pronounced. Why a tittle? It's Tit ill. <laughs> like he <laughs> like had an ill titty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's why a tittle. I don't
1: know what's happening right now.
0: Yeah, like, I just, if, if if you have to talk.
1: What are you even talking about? I'm
0: talking about who are the, <laughs> what are know. the greatest division quarterbacks? What
1: is a quarterback?
0: Oh, oh my God. George, uh, the, the answer is yes. I mean, I, I look, what I did is I looked through, like, the top 25 quarterbacks. And I was just like, who is in their divisions? I couldn't find anything where it was like, most of the great quarterback rivalries in the game happened when, you know, guys would meet in the Super Bowl. You know, it's like Roger Staubach versus uh, Terry Bradshaw. Or it's, uh, you know, even in in uh, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, it's like they met in the championship games and sometimes in the regular season. Not a lot of in-division great quarterbacks simultaneous. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe if, if you can think of one, listeners, call in the number for the show here, 323-716-6072. I can't think of a better division right now. I think George has a point, point. and yeah, Carr is definitely the worst in that division. He's still pretty good. He's probably like the fifteenth best quarterback in the league, something like that. Liz has blood shooting out of her eyes. <laughs> uh, we've only got two more left. Can you make it two more? Yeah. All right.
1: Last time you had me on, the questions didn't have to do with football, well, it's, so I could be a more engaging guest. Com- I'm just, I'm just. <laughs> it is a
0: comedy. in
1: the air out of the room. It's all right. Here. You're, you're
0: fine. Don't worry about it. Um. Do you think? Do you think? Got the commanders.
1: Got the commanders.
3: Got enough weapons. Got em- enough weapons. For Carson Wentz. For Carson Wentz. And do you also believe? Do you also believe? That their late round QB pick. That their late round QB pick. It's gonna make him upset. It's gonna
1: make him upset. Go Crayon. Go Crayon. Aww, okay, it sounds like she cute. said "go crayons," but yeah, that's what I heard too. Go, I think, that's that's fitting for a child. I, oh, I think he
0: said "go crayon," like go paint, go do crayons to his daughter,
1: and then she repeated. go And crayon? she said "go
0: crayons," like it's a team. <laughs> that's adorable. I think that's, that's what so happened there. Cute. Yeah, uh, that was very cute. I don't know who called in. Um, but somebody called in with their daughter. Uh, The question is about Carson Wentz. I feel like you could answer the Carson Wentz question.
1: What was the question about? Will
0: Carson Wentz handle competition well? No. Why not?
1: Because you don't like him.
0: That's my girl. Hell yeah. Go Fools. Go Fools.
1: Big Dick Nick. (laughs) Big
0: Dick Nick. That's the answer to the question. If Carson Wentz is mentioned in a question, the answer is Big Dick Nick. Fuck Carson Wentz. No, whatever. I wish him well, but yes, he will handle terribly. Sam Howell, fifth round, would have been like a was supposed to be a first round pick, but UNC sucked this year for a lot of reasons that weren't his fault. Uh, Yeah, Howell's better than him. And then Taylor Heineke last year. The real question is, will the weapons on the on the Commanders be good enough for Tyler Heineke or Sam Howell? Carson Wentz is going to get injured and what uh, there's no weapons to uh, whatever they, he could have like Jerry Rice's fever dream re- reanimated back to life it doesn't matter Carson Wentz uh, you know I think he's broken in a deep real way so sorry Commanders fans I actually do like the Washington pick um, they got the guy Dotson they already have um, what's the guy's name Mick, Mick, is it McLeod McLaurin. McLaurin's good. They got the running back from uh, Alabama, too. They got a good – they have good weapons. Uh, Like I said, the the best thing that can happen for them is Carson Wentz, you know. I don't want anybody to get injured, but if he gets injured, they'll win more games. That's my opinion. All right, we got one more call. One more call. This is the last one.
3: Hello, Mom. It's me, (laughs) the NFL Riddler, your son. Calling to wish you a happy Mother's Day. Since the time I was a young boy, I always knew I wanted to call into podcasts with riddles. I just wanted to say thank you for nurturing the NFL Riddler and me when I was a young child. I'll never forget the riddle you told me in eighth grade. When, when oh crap, this is
1: bringing the backup. Ah, damn it. <laughs>
0: Riddler has us I on speed dial. Uh, big NFL Riddler big fan. Big
1: NFL Riddler fan.
0: All right, great. Uh, if you would like to call into the show, if you want to respond to any of the other questions we had today, uh, 323-716-6072. Liz, I'll try to get somebody else for the voicemails next time. So I I, I know I know it's not easy when it's sports questions.
1: I uh, feel so bad. I can't really participate. You really can't. It's just white noise to me.
0: Congratulations on your film shoot, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, when, when can the listeners be expecting that?
1: I don't know. Next year or two. <laughs> I don't know. There should be a short film, out 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 about about a year. film festival near you okay, and, sure at the, some point.
0: I'm sure they'll wait. Yeah. With the uh, bated breath. George in Las okay. Vegas is like, which film festival?
1: Yeah. I don't know. Should I watch um The Selling Sunset Reunion or should I watch The Spring Awakening documentary? <laughs>
0: Bring in the backups voicemail. Derek. All right, that was Liz coming into the show to hang out for the voicemails. Let's talk about Andrew Walter, and we're going to get to our interview with Dave Yates. Andrew Walter, I mean, my guy. First off, let's start with this dude uh, at Arizona State. Absolutely crushed it. Passed John Elway's record that he set at Stanford for touchdowns and yards. I mean, he was like, he set a ton of records. Look at this, most passing yards. He had 10,000 passing yards, most completions, most touchdowns, most total offense, most passing yards in a single game. 500, he had 536 passing yards in a game. I mean, he, cr- he was very, very good at Arizona State. Dirk Cutter which sounds like very close to Dick Cutter, um, which, I don't know. But by the way, Dick Cutter, I mean, look, that's, uh, I don't know circumcision is it mutilation feels like it is i don't know i'm not a smart guy yeah i know there's other political issues involving people's bodies that are more pressing right now but i'd like to take this week to talk about male circumcision a little bit more is is it is it, is it fuck it, why are you cutting off a little bit of a baby's dick it just doesn't seem right anyway this not the point dirt cutter <laughs> dirt cutter becomes becomes the head coach for uh um for Arizona State. And in the sophomore year, Andrew Walter actually loses the quarterback battle, but then the guy that won it, Chad Christensen, ever heard that name? Nope. Fuck you. Out. Uh our boy Andrew Walter comes in and leads Sandy, <laughs> leads the Sun Devils. Also, awesome. what a great name, the Sun Devils leads them to their biggest comeback ever in history. They were down 22-0 to the San Diego State Aztecs. Walter comes in, first game with a boot on his leg, throws a 72-yard touchdown pass. And it is beautiful. I watched the highlight. It's like they, they say, they're like, this is the Andrew Walter era starts with this play. Fucking just flicks a ball 50 yards in the air. The dude had a cannon. It's undeniable. They came all the way back. Beat the Aztecs 39-28. Largest come-from-behind come victory in ASU history. And that's pretty much it. They beat number six Oregon in Oregon that same year. They lost... No, uh, no, no, I'm sorry. They came back in that game. They beat them. They were down 21 to nothing in that game. That's the game that he threw for 536 yards. It was insane. Uh, he has a shitty season his junior year and then crushes it his senior year that's when he passes Elway and uh does some other stuff and then he gets hurt he gets hurt in like the bowl game against uh who were the, I, I remember reading it hang on i got it here it was the, uh, arizona state and they get hurt against who fucking cares somebody iowa maybe i don't know who cares Uh, The point is is it fucks up with his – he was expecting to go higher in the draft. He goes to the third round. And then I was watching an interview that he was basically talking about himself as a college and football player. And Andrew Walter is, like, very critical of himself. He referred to himself as entitled, arrogant, lacking compassion and gratitude. He said, you're not just a good person if you say please and thank you. Wow. Andrew Walter saying, basically, I had a shitty attitude – And that's part of the reason he failed in the NFL. I mean, I love the looking at yourself harsh. You know, they often say, if you said the things about yourself that you said about other, if you said the things you said to yourself out loud to other people, you'd be a monster because we're all the worst um, people in our own heads to ourselves. Unless you're a sociopath. In which case, you marry Johnny Depp and take a dump in his bed. I'm like one of these like chicks that has like Johnny Depp posters up on the up in his room. Like he's innocent. I love Jack Sparrow. No, I just I like justice. All right, I like justice. Anyway, that's not the point. Uh, so he's with the Raiders. He goes two and seven as a starter in his time there. Three touchdowns. All the Randy Moss. I mean, look if you just watch the Andrew Walter touchdowns in Oakland, they don't look too bad. But the main year that he plays which is uh, 2006. He throws three touchdowns to Randy Moss and 13 picks. Goes two and six as a starter. Not so good. Not so good. And he's there for a ton of turnover, too. Four head coaches in, what, a little more than three seasons? Had, like, seven play callers. Not, a, not an easy situation for somebody, but especially somebody who, in his own words, entitled, arrogant, lacked compassion and gratitude. What it was is I watched him on this interview with... uh, I can't think of who it was. It was some guy. Some guy that has... He's like an athlete that has a show about... Here, I want to give credit to this interview because it was actually pretty good. It's like an hour-long interview. I'll link to it if you're watching on YouTube. Life After with Marquise Harris. So Andrew Walter just fucking unloads in this interview. It's an hour long. I listened to the whole thing. I mean, he... First off, shit's all over himself... Then he talks about running for political office, which I love it. You can find his old campaign ad when he, he he's a Republican. Oops! Can you continue to listen, pussies? He's a Republican, and he uh, he runs. Uh, his ad is just literally him being like, you know what leadership is? It's knowing what to do under pressure, and it's nothing but his highlights in Arizona State. Like he runs for Congress in Arizona. <laughs> like the area where the football field was and his whole campaign is just, you remember that game against San Diego state? That was me. That's all he runs on. No issues. He's like, I like education. I think we need to change the way we spend. And remember that 72 yard touchdown first play. I'm wearing a boot. That's what leaders do. And it's, like, usually, like, at the end of political ads, they're, like, staring off into the distance. Like, they're, like, looking at the city that they built. (laughs) Or whatever. Like, they're, like, up on a cloud. There's, like, a blue sky behind them. No, it's just him in a football uniform pointing for a receiver to run an in post. That's it. Like, he's, he's just, like, I played football, vote for me. Which, by the way, I mean, fucking... Why not at this point? Like why would that not be the qualification you need to have any type of political office? He was a good quarterback. I think that means you should get to be in Congress. I think that's a that's fair. So anyway, he talks about being in politics and it's weird cuz in this interview he starts to shit on his ex-wife, who sounds crazy. I mean, I I, I joke that this is about, like, sometimes men have this real disadvantage in the courts. Well, holy shit, does Andrew Walter paint a picture? I mean, who knows? We're getting his side of the story only, but it sounds like his wife just, like, served him papers while he was at work, grabbed all her shit, moved to California, was pregnant with his kid, and he had to, like, up and relocate his life just to see his kid. I mean, that's crazy that you can do that. I mean... Anyway, like whatever, we could get into it, but like uh, child custody laws do not favor the dude, and so he spends like 30 minutes just on this hour-long podcast. The guy's like, "So tell me what it was like playing with a uh, playing for Bill Belichick." He was like, "Well, I'll tell you what it's like having some bitch take your child away from you." <laughs> he, just, he keeps he steers it right back to I'm in the middle of a custody fight. I'm fighting for my child. That's what I'm talking about. And good for him, by the way. You got to fight for your kid. That's what you, they, they say that too, man or woman. When you're going through that shit, you fight so that later on your kid knows you fought for them. That's all you can do. I mean, if you, if you can, you try to solve it without the lawyers. You keep the lawyers out because lawyers are just blood-sucking leeches, and everybody knows that. The, the, the system is set to ruin you in that way. It's not on your side. It's on the lawyer's side. I mean, look, we're saying this. I, you guys, I told you I got an accident a couple weeks ago. My wife totaled the car, and now we've been we had to hire a lawyer and the whole thing. And the whole system is meant to fuck you. It, It all circles back to that. It's not about let's figure out how to make this the most equitable process where the person that made the accident is the one that's no. It's about where how many times. Can we bleed you for every dollar possible? It's insane. And also, like, it's in California, which is hilarious. Considering it's, like, the most regulated state. They they won't let you fucking climb on trees in the park. But they can charge you, like, $1,000 a day for storage fees at a fucking body shop. It's like, you know, I could actually use a politician butting their nose in right here. Jesus, maybe maybe I can take like my third mask off at this point. It sucks, man. It sucks It was it was shitty. But anyway, the, the point of this was just that lawyers are terrible. But he kind of goes through this whole. He just spends the whole podcast just talking about his divorce, which is not funny. Like you know, whatever. My parents got divorced. It's ugly. It's tough. It's 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 traumatic when people are going through it. But it also is funny to be on a podcast that's supposed to be like. Tell us, how you, tell us how you turned your NFL experience into a, a life, a healthy life afterwards. And it's, it's just him being like, she dug everything. I can understand that's got to be hard, though. But then I, I went back and found a couple, inter- I found one interview where he's on a radio station talking about uh, running for office. And it sounds like it was his wife's idea. <laughs> he like just gotten engaged. He's like, oh, she's the best. I'm so happy. She convinced me to do it. Oh God, it's when you when you look back, when you have those bad relationships, it, yeah, I think the Johnny Depp thing, everybody it makes everybody look at it through their prism of their life experience, you know. If you've been in a bad relationship, God forbid you've been abused in some way. like it just calls all of it back. And I've been in a couple bad relationships. Nothing, nobody's ever crapped in my bed, but I've been in bad relationships. And it's like that thing where you're talking with somebody and you're like, it doesn't even make... The thing they're yelling about doesn't even make sense. You're, you're literally just like... You just feel lost in the... Like, when you're those moments, they're horrible. What was I talking about? <laughs> anyway, Andrew Walter. The good news for the guy is that he started a business after uh, the NFL... He played four, he went four and a half seasons. He had like a training camp in New England, four years in Oakland. Um, not a successful NFL career, but made money. He's a third round draft pick, so that's a decent contract. It's more money than I'll ever see in my life. So he did well for himself. He did what he was supposed to do in college, which was get paid to go to that's what you did. And then when he was done with college, he went back to ASU, got some degree in finance. He does some sort of finance stuff. I don't understand any job beyond comedian and firefighter. Those are the only jobs I have a, a true, I know what they do. Everybody else, I'm like, huh? I'm an insurance claim adjuster. Hmm? Huh? You fight fires? You tell jokes? I don't get it. Can't do it. I don't know if that really applied in that moment, but I, last couple shows, I've forgotten to play the little clip. There's no question that Andrew Walter did have a lot of physical talent, though. I mean, he he had some uh, he had some arm strength. I, the reason I like guys like this is because this really was like the Madden age for me. You know, like 05 to 09. I mean, we're talking like college and right after college. That's when I used to sit down and whatever player was like on Madden as the second or third string quarterback, I'd be like, I'm winning the Super Bowl with that guy. Marquis Sopo is about to win a AFC championship, bitch. That's how I played Madden. I played Madden like a psychopath. I would put up a, a TV and then like two TVs next to each other and I would play Madden, but then I would watch the real game as it was happening and I would try to simulate every play exactly as it was happening in uh, in real time. It's it's disturbing to say that that's what I did, but that's what I did for, like, a couple years. And then I would announce the game to myself. I mean, I might as well also be like, and I had my dick tucked between my legs, and I danced around with lotion and a basket. Like, I could do the whole thing. I could tell you everything horrifying I did, but it was really just, like, a weird control thing where I was like, I want to be an announcer. And maybe it could still be an announcer. I mean, I have to clean up the language. But beyond that, I don't feel like it's like an impossible thing. You know, I'm 36 years old. I'm still young compared to dead people. <laughs> I'm old. I'm old, man. My beard's gray. I have long COVID. I might have long COVID. Who knows? We'll find out. Talk to me in a couple weeks. I went back to the show, by the way, in Anaheim because uh, they asked me to host again, because I fucking crushed it the first time. Thank you. I went back to the anime. It was the only show I did um, and plan on really doing up until the the festival at the end of the month. And uh, it was fun, man. I had a good time. There weren't that many people at the bar, but there was this group of people. They called themselves, they were like the lovers of liberty. It was some like libertarian group. And they were fucking hilarious, man. Like, they're the easiest group to make fun of because obviously they, you know, they want to go back to, like, they think the public highway should be like the Oregon Trail. We should be fording the river. (laughs) Like, fucking losing oxen if the waters are too high. Like, it's, they have, like, you know, whatever. They're, like, burning their driver's licenses when they get upset. Libertarians, I mean, I, I have a couple friends who are libertarians, and it's fun hanging out with them. You get a couple drinks in them. They start talking about, like, the fucking treasury and you're like, all right, that's enough. You need to calm down. You <laughs> get you to bed. They just can't. It's just, they, <laughs> the, the crazy meter is dialed up and they know it too. They know it. They have fun with it. They know it. I feel like it's a lot of beaver pelt hats. They wish we still wore beaver pelt hats. And I'll say this to what I like about most libertarians that I know. I mean, cause I, I guess cause I've lived in mostly liberal city places. It's like they're, they're very, they feel very like legitimately, Cool, like that. Like I don't, I have, I don't know anybody who's racist and libertarian. Like they all seem the ones that I know have been very open as far as people just do whatever you want. But you know, also I think we should uh, destroy the dollar bill and just trade gold coins and fucking chicken at market. And you're like, wait, hang on. I like you on the you know live and let live part, but c- can we have a military? Are we? <laughs> Do I have to pay a firefighter to put a, uh, something out at my house? Like, what is what are we talking about here? Can we have some sort of thing? But these guys, they were the Liberty lovers, man. They were a fucking blast. So the the show in Anaheim ended up being really good. My wife Liz came out to it as well. She had a good time. She always has a good time when I crush, which is nice. And I, I did crush. It was a weird thing because I was hosting the show, but then uh, the comics didn't show up. A bunch of the comics like bailed. So it's supposed to be five comics. It ended up being two. So I was like, oh, I guess, well, I can't do, it can't be like a 30-minute show. One of the guys was like, I only have 10 minutes. He was like a newer comic. So I was like, all right, fuck it. So I did 20 minutes as like in between the the two comics. And then the third comic, who was the headliner, showed up late, didn't tell me. So the show ended up going about an hour, five minutes. A, a, A quick show, but it was fine. But as a host, you usually don't you don't do tw- a 20-minute act in the middle of the show. So that ended up being fun, man. It was like, ooh, am I a host? Am I the headliner? I don't know. I kind of feel like both. It was great. I got the best compliment. I think the best compliment from the comic who went up last. He said, uh, when I saw you on stage, I didn't think you were the host. I thought you were a headliner. And I was like, "That's the fucking compliment right there." Because host energy, man, when you come out and you're just like, "Oh, how's everybody doing?" Like, oh god, it's the it fucking sucks. And I know you get paid doing it, but I, it it hurts when that's what you're doing. So I was very happy to get paid that compliment. Anyway, uh, and I think we've talked about Andrew Walter enough. Let's wrap it up. I want to say this now before we bring on uh, Dave. I know I already said this before, I'm sure, in the part where (laughs) I'm going to cut it in later with Liz. But the phone number to call in at this show, 323-716-6072. Please do call into the show. Leave me a voicemail. It's, It's really fun. And I like when I get real ones. I like when I get fake ones. And as I'm sure you saw 15 minutes ago, I get both. And then if you have not already, please, Apple podcast, leave a five-star review. If you have not followed on YouTube, just go youtube.com slash Eric Helwig E-R-I-C-K H-E-L-L W-I-G Follow me there. You won't just get the podcast, but you'll get comedy videos, stand-up clips, all that stuff that I post. So yeah, support the pod. Write that five-star review if you're on Apple. Follow me on YouTube. And uh, again, the number to call on the show 323 716 zero seven two can't do it right now we're coming in with dave yates he's a very funny stand-up comedian uh if you're in los angeles you've seen him on uh, all the big clubs like i said he's a writer on dumpster fire with Richard Fettesy, which is one of my favorite shows on youtube uh very funny guys so enjoy the interview with him like i said i i had a great time having him over and uh yeah i'm sure he'll be on the podcast again so enjoy your time with dave
2: Also, too, like if you're in the audience and you hate my guts, right? Mm-hmm. You're not thinking about the bills you have to pay your wife, your job, whatever. Like you're just thinking about how much you hate my guts, which in that moment, it's like a, a homeostasis. Like it's a mutually beneficial <laughs> relationship. Yeah. Where it's like yeah, at yeah. the end of the day, we're both uh, like, I'm providing you an escape that won't kill me. And uh, um, I'm pro- like, and vice versa. Like, you know, I'm there's not many escapes these days that. Don't kill us, you know, like, you know, but for me, it's like, uh, that's, this is, this is my escape is I get up there and I, I get to do the adrenaline and try to do well. I mean, bombing still feels bad. I still bomb on occasion. Uh, like I was telling a younger comic this, I think last night I bebopped up to Bakersfield to do an open mic. And, um, I was just like, look, like I still bomb, but like my batting average is higher. Cause I've been doing this 11 years. Sure. You know, like I bought my titties off in Naples, Florida about like three to six months back where it was just like, I was featuring for a friend of mine and I threw the kitchen sink at these people, everything clean, dirty, political, anything like it's cause Naples, Florida is like, it's predominantly rich white conservative people. So I'm like, if you want to talk politics, like, we can do it, you know, like, I'm capable of it, it's not just, like, it's just not part of my, like, usual act, because it does nothing for me, but I, I bomb for 28 minutes straight, just fucking eating dicks.
0: And when you say bomb, because I, when I think of a, when I think of myself bombing now, if I listen back to it, I'm always surprised by how not bomby it is, like, compared to how I used to bomb, which was an actual, complete silence for the entire time I'm on stage. When you say you bombed for 28 minutes, you're talking straight up, nobody laughing the entire time.
2: Yeah, like, I mean, maybe a smattering of, (laughs) like, woof. yeah, where it's like, it was the type of bomb where it's like, so many people weren't making any noise that the people that maybe did find it funny aren't going to be the only ones laughing at something. Yeah, yeah. So but the next the next two shows, the next night I killed both shows. So it's like and with this exact same shit in front of the exact same demographic of people. So yeah. I mean, it's still the best job in the world. It's still the best feeling in the world. And until it stops being that, I'm gonna keep doing it.
0: I think the best job in the world is shoe care kit salesman. Elite Uh, (laughs) quick care sell.
2: Sell Eric a fucking overpriced box. So you got dirty ass sneakers, son. And you're like, yeah, I got dirty ass sneakers. Here's how he got
0: me. So I had just, uh, I had just made a decision. I was, I was actually recording a set. I was doing I was doing a set over the weekend that was going to be recorded and like a, be a mini special type of thing. And I was like, I have to buy fucking real clothes. So I went to go, I got a new t-shirt. I got a bunch of new t-shirts, new pair of jeans, belt, shoes. I bought multiple pairs of shoes because I've been wearing one pair of shoes for like three years. And so just, I was in a place where I was just thinking about shoes a lot. So you not
2: typically a shoe guy, like as far as like you said, same shoes, three years. Yeah. Like how many pairs of shoes, sans you purchasing shoes for this important event, how many pairs of shoes did you
0: have at your disposal prior to this? One pair of shoes. God damn! And that was since, that was from before the pandemic. I found no reason to buy shoes during the pandemic. One of those fellas. Well, I'm trying to change. I'm like I'm 36 years old. I'm like I need a thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like maybe I'm a guy that has shoes and hats. Mm-hmm. So, I got some nice hats at Lids and I matched them up with the shoes. We're talking ball caps. We're talking ball caps. I like a ball cap. Yeah, like I'm talking a Padres hat with their brown and yellow colors. All oh, the
2: classic Padres like the, Tony, yeah. the 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 throwback Tony Gwynn rookie year. This colors. is even this is,
0: maybe it was Tony Gwynn was had those rookie, old colors. Yeah, the, he, his rookie year he had those colors. But those I, I know the, exactly what you're talking about. But though. those are their permanent colors now. They went back. Oh really? Yeah, they don't they're not the uh they had very they were like white and navy blue, which is maybe the most boring thing you could have been for a while. Yeah. And
2: California cares so little about sports that I'm <laughs> I'm so
0: surprised that that team has survived in fucking San Diego this whole time. It's a weird... I think it's like the worst kind of fan where like... I've heard people justify it like, yeah, they really got to earn us paying attention. And it's like, my no. da- I'm a Philly fan and the, when the team is terrible, it's like... The yeah, fa- they, well, people almost I mean, like we that We could more. go into the Philadelphia fanatic. <laughs>
2: Wait, the literal Philadelphia fanatic? No, I meant like... Well, I mean, <laughs> what's what your goddamn mascot's based off of? But so, so you, you're thinking about being a shoe guy... And then this guy caught you with the Elite Shoe Care Collection. He goes... How much did you spend on
0: this? I spent 75 bucks. Oh, gross. And he, he told me he gave that's me like half good, off.
2: That's like a good pair of shoes. It's a good
0: pair of shoes. You know what he did? He So he he was like, come over here, man. Let me show you what we're doing. Put your foot up. <laughs> cleaned a shoe. With I was like, whoa, look at that. The shoe looks brand new. He, he cleaned the shoes I've been wearing for three years. And I go, all right, that's great. And then... He's just like, do you want it? And I was like, I just looked at the bag of shoes I just bought. I was like, yeah, fuck it. I'll buy it. And then as I was buying it, I was like, were you going to clean the other shoe? And he's like, nah, man. I never said I would clean both. And I was like, that is the that is a brilliant sales pitch. Because if somebody doesn't buy it, they walk around with mismatched shoes. They got a dirty shoe and a clean shoe.
2: See, that wouldn't bother me. I feel I th- like I did, it was... I did sales for so long that I know exactly <laughs> what that motherfucker did to you.
0: Dude, I do sales too. Like, he fucking... He just got me in a weak moment. Mm-hmm.
2: No, yeah, man. Fuck he closed
0: it. me in like 90 seconds. Yeah,
2: dude, because it was like he saw you coming down the pipe with shoe bags. Yeah, man. Yeah, he saw you coming down the pipe with shoe bags and your dirty ass fucking he sneakers. He saw my dirty ass snake. And he's like, I want to fucking... Let me, uh, riddle me this, Batman. <laughs> was he a person of color or was he a white dude? Because it doesn't sound like white dude actions. He is a person of color. That's right. He
0: got me, he man. He saw
2: you fucking... Uh, I would have done this... I, I would have done the same thing. It's just like, because that's, that's like, I've been like, comedy is essentially sales of fucking ideas, but I've done every kind of sales that you can think of from advertising space to telephone books, to fucking cell phones, to drugs, like I've sold it all. So I've seen, and I was well trained as a, as a salesman, like, yeah. and it's like, there's certain people that crush sales. Because it's like, it's the, I know it's a joke, but it's like the always be closing, the ABCs of sales, always be closing, overturn the negative. Like it's, 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 it's also, it's crowd work. It's essentially crowd work. Yeah. it's just like, I've seen so few people do it well like that, that it's like, I I just knew.
0: (laughs) We have a, uh, so I work at a sales job right now and uh, I am very good. There's people that have been there longer that make, I mean, they fucking crush. They're pulling in like $300,000 a year, like that level of you can do very well at the company. And the people that are that good, sometimes you can like listen in on their calls and you're like the shit they say to people. Yeah, the way they, the way, like, I'm a good salesperson. I don't feel comfortable no. talking to people that it, way.
2: Yeah, bending the rules and shit. Like, I, yeah, I, yeah. Dude, I did a call center sales for like a long time and it was miserable. Like, and not a long time. I, I got fired from there because I just wouldn't fucking like lie to people. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, uh, it, it, especially because it's like, it was like after I got sober too. So it's like I had a conscience again. Yeah. <laughs> You know, Uh, like we would call these old people on this call list and like pass them on to the fucking people that sell them magazines. Like boiler room shit. Yeah. And then you get to certain people that just like no one calls them. Like so and like you weren't allowed to like pitch people that were like 75 or older or something like that for some weird reason. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you'd catch those people that were like 76 to 80 or whatever. And you're the first person they've talked to in a while and you just feel awful you know and i just couldn't i couldn't do that shit anymore like that's my backup plan as far as like if comedy doesn't work out (laughs) is i'll go back to fucking i'll go back to the boiler room like i I tell people i was like you know what if i i'm gonna reassess i I got here when i was just turning 30 and i've been in la for about five years now and i said i will reassess at 10 years so at, at at 40 so in five more years if this shit's not fun anymore i'm out i'll go sell fucking porsches somewhere and, and go yeah, yeah go make up for lost time uh like because there's i mean there's no time then to do what we're doing now currently right like people go oh yeah rodney dangerfield it's like you know how fucking
0: big of an anomaly Rodney Dangerfield is. And also, like, people also do the, hey, you fucking, he lived in his car for a year until he hit it. And it's like, oh, a year? It, Only a year. Oh, yeah. A lot of people live in their cars and then fucking die in their cars because yeah. it's not a way to live.
2: Yeah, because no one knows how to fucking make money in this business. It's so annoying. It's yeah. so annoying because it's like, I would never teach a comedy class about how to be funny. But I'm thinking about teaching a class on how to fucking make a living doing comedy because I've been able to do it for the last three or four years of my existence. Now, granted, you know, I I had a buddy bring me to be his opener, and that helps. But like, I, I talk to comics about like what they should ask for and guaranteed minimums and 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 fucking return on investment, and they have no idea. And it's like you can book a show anywhere if you treat it. Not like selling a good comedy show. You treat it like selling ad space. Like if I go to Eric's Bar and Grill, and I go, hey, Eric's Bar and Grill, how many people does your bar and grill hold? And you're like, oh, 150 people. I say, perfect. I do comedy, and I'd like to put a comedy show on here. My rate is 750 plus hotel. That means at 125 people, if you sell 75 tickets at $10 a crack, then you've covered my talent fee everything else is profit and i'm not i'm not counting the food and the drinks it's like how quickly can you make back your investment you know sell 20 sell $20 tickets to 75 people yeah you've just put $750 in your pocket plus food and drink they care more about that than they care that you're good at fucking comedy and then people just don't understand that you know or they they take fucking peanuts to try to do this job and, it, it, you know, me teaching someone how to make money doing comedy does not take money out of my pocket. You know, if I could, it's the same, it's what I used to do in in the ad sales business. I'd be like, Eric's transmissions. How much does a new transmission overhaul cost? And you'd be like, oh, $1,200. They're like, perfect. If you put a $250 ad in this telephone book and you sell one new transmission, you've covered the 250 and you've put... You know, eight eight fifty in your pocket or whatever the math works out to be. Like I've not done the math in a long time, but it's yeah. that's what you're selling to any people is return on investment. So then, if you start him and hawing about the seven fifty about what I'm offering to put on a show in your bar and grill, you're like, oh, I don't know, seven fifty seems like a lot of money. I'd be like perfect. I understand completely. Steve at Steve's Bar and Grill, he felt the same way. But what he found was that if two people that come to the comedy show decide that they really like Steve's yeah. Bar and Grill, and they're a couple that likes to go out, let's say, eight eight out of the 12 months a year, and they spend $100 every time, which is plausible for a date night. You've just put 800 new dollars in your pocket, cash checker charge. That's the close. That's the close. It's overturning the negative, and and that's the close. Cash check or charge, and be, like there's other elements that I don't like about the sales industry, but it's like it's true. There's things like fear of loss, fear of loss. It's why you look at mattress stores, and they're like going out of business. Every mattress store is fucking going out of business. Yeah, you know, every mattress store is limited time deal on shit because <laughs> people like that. People people like
0: the the immediacy of. Uh, not losing out on a good deal. So much of it is taking like a little social interaction and turning it like 10 degrees in a way that people aren't used to it. When I used to sell, uh, I used to sell timeshare vacations to Colonial Williamsburg. So I would go to like Cleveland and be like for five days and four nights for 300 bucks, you get to stay in this beautiful colonial cottage uh-huh. And, uh huh, and all you have to do is go to a ninety-minute tour on day three. Uh huh, and the way that we would get people into our booths at these trade shows, it was like, it felt fucking evil to uh-huh. to, to manipulate people that way, but it worked so
2: well. It's psychology, it's psychology. So like, we'll go back to comparing it to the comedy industry. So Eric's Bar and Grill, if you're still him and Han after I've already overturned the negative about how even two new people in your establishment will cover my talent costs. If you're like, well, I, I still don't really know. Completely understand, Eric. I'm going to go down the street to Steve's Bar and Grill and set up a show. So um, if you want to set it up now, we can, put, we can put the date in the books and I'll make you a lot of money. If not, no big deal. Steve's Bar and Grill has already said they want a date. Yeah. You know, so and then I'll walk away. I'll walk because if you don't want it you don't want it. Like and I'm not going to I'm not going to waste my time, but I know almost immediately whether I'm going to be able to close it. And that's the thing. It's like I don't even like work on the road like that anymore, but it's doable. Like it's like there is no there is no working feature anymore in this in this in this business. Like where like I started 11 years ago, you could be a good feature and then work the road. 40 weeks a year and make your little hundred dollars mm-hmm. plus hotel and sell your merch and make a living. It doesn't exist anymore. It's like someone's either bringing you or cause there's no, like no one's taking a chance on you to headline any of these places unless you got bajillions of social media followers. And I'm not saying that because I'm complaining about it. I'm not, I'm not complaining about that at all. It's just like there I'm the last of a dying breed of someone who knows how to make a living Working the road exclusively like that. It, it just yeah. its not healthy. I don't want to do it like that anymore. It's why I take as many gigs around Los Angeles as possible. I would rather come down three or four times a week and and do shows and sell my hot sauce. You know,
0: <laughs> and <laughs> haha hot sauce, by the way. I, I do
2: make the hot sauce. That is my merch. I make and sell my own brand of hot sauce. I sell them for 10 bucks. So I'll come down and get $20 from your spot in fucking Koreatown. And I'll go set, I'll sell Tom as a hot sauce. So I just made $120 and I get to sleep in my own bed. Yeah. That night, you know, you do that three or four times a week. That's 400 plus, you know, take out gas, you know. I mean, it's not making hand over fist, but it's enough to survive. Sure. You know, like if you get your expenses out here down to like $1,800 a month, that's all you have to make really. You know, I mean, obviously you want to make more to put money away and invest and like have a savings, you know, or have money in case you break a leg and you can't work for an entire month.
0: So much of it is like, I don't know, like I I was in New York and I fell into um, acting in commercials, which isn't real acting. It's just like I was doing improv and if you did improv in New York and did decently, you would just eventually start doing commercials. That was kind of like the progression of it. So, there's a couple of years where I was just doing that, where I was doing a little bit of stand up, teaching improv, and acting in a commercial like every two months, voiceover, or whatever. But when you get to that place where you're actually like fucking supporting yourself doing it, even if it's like barely scraping by, I, at least for me, I was like, it feels like fucking, it feels like a different world when you don't have to have the bullshit yeah. day job.
2: You're right right i mean and yeah. i have no ego about going back to getting a day job if i need to yeah right like i was opening for my buddy who who won third place in america's got talent and so he brought me everywhere and then we got kicked in the balls by a pandemic and then we started working again you know and it's just like now we're 3 years removed from that tv thing and he's doing different things with his career so that's leading me to do different things with mine and like making the conscious decision to not be a road dog anymore like i've, I've done it all like I'll I'll happily teach any new comic how to do this shit. I just don't want to do it anymore. Like I, I could, you drop me in any metropolitan area, I I know how to make a thousand dollars, you yeah. know. But I won't I won't even leave anymore. I won't even consider leaving if I can't guarantee myself a thousand in my pocket from yeah. leaving, you know. And I mean then that's reg, that's regular ass money. That's not fucking buku bucks. You work any kind of other job and you're making the thousand dollars a week. That's like a regular, okay job.
0: Especially, yeah, it's like a little bit better than minimum wage. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So I, I do all this to make a little bit above minimum <laughs> wage. But I wait, like I wake up and I do whatever the fuck I want to do. Like yeah. I wake up at like I still wake up a little early. Like I wake up at like eight, eight a.m., nine a.m. I fucking wake up, get my coffee, do my meditation, my yoga, and shit. And, like, I, today I washed my vinyl records. I didn't have to show up for anybody anywhere because I got a show tonight. You know, and it just worked out. Like, we've been trying to nail down this podcast. It's just like, you know, I that's all I have to do tonight. I show up, do a podcast at 6. I go do a show in Culver City tonight at 8. Hopefully sell enough hot sauce to justify the trip. Yeah. You know? And then since I'm already around, like, I'll go maybe pop over to the improv or the comedy store, you know, uh, just to punch my card with those people and do the networking shit. There you go. You know, I mean, if I have to go get a job, like, I've been sober about a little over 10 years now. And, like, an easy job for a sober person to get around California is a sober living. It's dog shit work because it's like most of the people that own these bougie sober livings are fucking monsters. But what is what is sober living? I don't even know what that like is. It's like a halfway house, like a bougie halfway house. Okay. So like sober living is the nice term for a halfway house, right? So like when I first moved to Los Angeles, like um, I saved up a bunch of money and then like a month and a half in here, some lady clipped me on the 405 and told my little Honda. So to fly back to Illinois, buy the, my little Volkswagen that I have now. I sunk like half my savings into this car so then i was doing postmates and shit and then i got a job at a sober living because when you're sober it's like easy to get a job at these places because it's like oh i've been sober five or six years you know and it's like you're basically a gopher for like rich kids okay you know now granted there are halfway houses and sober livings that are like state funded and they're like no bullshit but this place was like in brentwood california You know, so it was like these people were paying like seven grand a month to stay and they had like organic food and like a chef four days a week (laughs) and shit like that. Sounds pretty sweet. Yeah, I mean, and that was the problem. It's like whether you have money or not, people still deserve recovery. But when the people that run the operation treat the residents like hotel guests and not people that need help it turns into like, you can't help them. You know, like yeah. th- there's no, there's second, third, fourth chances. There's no rules. Like no one's going to get better that way. Cause you're the, cause they're afraid of, you know, if you kick them out, you lose that seven to 10 grand a month from the insurance people, you know? So like, yeah. you know, and my, my gig was like, it was easy. Like as far as it, it sucked working there, as far as like the, the people were monsters that ran the joint, but like, I was like the, uh, what do they call that, uh, support staff. So I would drive these people to like their acupuncture, their therapy, their intensive outpatient, whatever. And then I would work eight thirty to four Monday through Friday. And then I'd get off work and go do shows, you know, and I was just getting to LA. So it's like, you know, I'd get off work at four 30. And then when potluck was, you know, show up and sign up, you know, um, I'd get there, I'd get to the comedy store, be first in line and I'd sign up and I'd just sit there and then socialize with comics, you know? Yeah. And it was easy for me to do the road and stuff because I could take off whenever I wanted, you know, because uh, there was a contracted employee because these cheap fucks didn't want to give, <laughs> give, these cheap huh. fucks didn't want to give me health insurance. Yeah, yeah, So I just, I, you know, I've always, up until, you know, up until the last three or four years, <clears throat> I've worked two jobs, you know? Day job during the day gets off at work at four or five, and then comedy at night. You know, so it's like up until the last three or four years, I was working easy eighty hour weeks doing both. Yeah. You know, you, you spend your six to eight hours at the day job, and then you spend six hours minimum at night doing shows. You know, sometimes more than that. Like when I where I came up in Illinois.
0: Where in uh, where in Illinois did you come up, by the way? Uh,
2: so I started comedy two hours south of Chicago in central Illinois, like Bloomington Normal. Uh, my home club is the Jukebox in Peoria. Okay. And so, like, all the road comics that I looked up to <clears throat> back then when I started were, like, you draw an eight-hour radius of where you live, and you work everywhere in that eight-hour <clears throat> radius. So it's like being in central Illinois, that was, you know, that was Cleveland, that was Indianapolis, Cincinnati, Louisville, um, St. Louis— you know, Kansas City, you know, uh, Chicago, Milwaukee, like anywhere in an eight hour radius, I would work because, you know, I could get done on Sunday at like 11 p.m. after a Sunday show and drive for eight hours and be back to work on Monday at 830 a.m. or 9 a.m. or whatever. You know, sometimes it would only get like an hour and a half of sleep, but like I, you know, I there was free coffee. So like I did that for years. Yeah. You know, so it's like this whole shit, like where people like fucking living in your car, to grind, and the fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. Like li- living in your car, whatever. If if I had to live in my car, could I? Sure. I've slept in my car. I've slept in my car plenty of times to, to save the money on um, hotel. Like you're doing a $100 gig, no hotel. Like I'm, you think I'm going to sink fucking three quarters of that into a fucking Motel 6? You're out of your goddamn mind. But, like, this whole, like, oh, we live in our cars on the streets of L.A., it's like, fucking go hustle. Go work at the fucking McDonald's. You'll, You'll build more material working at the fucking McDonald's, not having an ego about your life, than you will living in your fucking van, van life. And that's the problem. That's the problem out here is because women will fuck dudes that live in vans. That's why it's a problem. It's really their fault.
0: <laughs> <That's>, <laughs>
2: yeah. Blame all women. That's yeah. If that's you get- if you take anything from this podcast. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just saying like it, 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 in other places, that's not possible. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and it's like like in central Illinois, if you lived in your van, ain't nobody fucking you. You live yeah. in a van. Too out, cold at night out here. It's like, oh, he's got a screenplay and a fucking <laughs> the van is nice. Yeah, I, I could never forget, like when I first moved here, and and this this gal told me that she used to ha- she used to fuck this dude that lived in an RV. I'm like, are you fucking serious? I mean, I guess RV is step up from
0: van. But <laughs> yeah, like- but still, it's tough. I don't know. My my brother like fixed up a van, and him and his uh, him and his wife drove around. I feel like that's a that's a acceptable van fuck. If it's like you're with a partner, you've made a decision, you've you've outfitted it with a bed, you're seeing right. the world,
2: but you know exactly that's not what I'm talking about. I, of course not. You're, I'm talking about the fucking dildo comic <laughs> that's like fucking the the grind, bro. I do four mics a night, spending five dollars a crack. Yeah, you know, I mean that's look. Everybody's got their own path, and I'm not trying to say that I know. I know as much as someone that's been doing this eleven years knows. But like I remember, I met this one kid. This is pre-pandemic, and we are hanging out. At the comedy store, and, like, he was talking to me. He's like, yeah, I've been living in my van for, like, two months now. I'm like, what's wrong with you? He said, well, d- sometimes you just got it." I'm like, you got two working legs? Oh, yeah. Stop living in your van. Your mental health is going to fucking deteriorate, and you're going to lose your goddamn mind. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I'm not going to co-sign your bullshit. All your dipshit open mic buddies are going to be like, yeah, man, van life. Duh. Yeah. I was like, stop it. I'm like, is there any reason you can't work right now? Well, no, then go get a fucking job, dude. Go work during the day, do comedy at night. That's what it is.
0: That's what I'm doing right now, man. That's what you got to do. That's, like
2: It's what, until you don't have to anymore. And sometimes you don't have to for a while and then you have to go back to it. That's yeah. that's a hard fucking pill to swallow. Like I've made my living doing comedy for the past three, going on four years. All right. I might have to go back to working for fucking people again. I'm going to try not to. You know I'd really not like to do that But I have no ego about paying my fucking bills Yeah I don't So like you know uh, The 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 conclusion of that story About two or three months later I was going I was at the Hollywood Bowl Going to see a show And I went to the bathroom to go take a piss And who do I see walking out With a fucking name badge on And a vest The guy That fucking dude Dude He's like I got an apartment Thanks man Yeah <laughs> yeah because it's like everybody yeah, yeah. out here wants to fucking like rub your balls and tell you like the the dismal miserable fucking I have no money life is like stop it
0: it's over it's over romanticized I think
2: it, it 100% is like yeah. like what are you fucking like one in a million people live
0: in their van and then sell
2: their first fucking screenplay and they get out of that shit yeah and van. they're also
0: usually better looking than the people that you know that are doing the same like 100%. thing 100% yeah they're like really hot fan people
2: yeah, dude. I like. I'd be a hot van. People like. I'm a solid seven. I'm a solid seven. And that's like that's the non-egotistical number, all right? Because anything less than seven, you're like you hate yourself. Anything more than seven, you're just like, all right, bro. pump. It's the too break. much. Seven yeah. is how you. Seven is how you describe yourself. <laughs> unless you're really not, all right. Unless you're like, unless you're like fucking troll. Like, just be honest. But but that's that's.
0: I feel like the only numbers people will rate themselves are seven. The only acceptable numbers to rate yourself are seven or three. Anything else in there doesn't really make too much sense to me. Yeah. Like if you're going higher than seven, you're being a dick.
2: Yeah, but then also, but this is like self-honesty. Like if you're a fucking smoke show ten, and you, you say
0: that you're a four, you have to say you're hot.
2: Yeah, yeah, you have to just know who you are. You know, like I'm saying, like I, like I, seven is a happy number for me. Like I, I like I have no problems like, talking to women, and, like, on stage, like, you know, like, people on stage will be like, oh, I'm so ugly, da-da-da, when they're not ugly. Yeah, yeah. Or I'm so fat
0: when they're not fat. It's like... I know multiple uh, comics like that, and it's... Uh, part of it is that I feel like they wrote jokes when they maybe were... And then they can't give them up. Yeah, and it's like, you have to be willing to change if the... Uh, you have to know how the audience is perceiving you when you step on. Otherwise, you're, you're building resentment in the yeah. audience if you... I
2: remember one time I was early on in comedy And I was doing like I'm so broke Jokes on stage Yeah And because I'm a comic I'm so broke And this professional comic He's still a dear friend of mine To this day He goes Hey man Stop saying you're broke Because you're a comedian Because I pay I pay all my bills with comedy I support my wife And my three children With comedy So like stop that If you're broke For other reasons Do that Yeah But you're not broke Because you're a comedian And then I never forgot that because it's like, don't, don't diminish what we do. And it's like, it's like a, it's like a cancerous thing. Like it's like, where people don't know how to ask. Like, like, I know this has been mostly about comedy, but it's just like, especially now post, like post the fourth wave of the pandemic or whatever the (laughs) fuck we're in now. You know what I'm saying? It's like, if you get booked on a show and I don't care where the fuck you are and it's not an open mic or it's not a guest spot, you say, thank you for the booking. Two questions. Is there any money? And can I sell merch? Every single fucking time. Because if the first answer is no, there's no money. I can make an informed decision, but I can sell merch. Well, maybe I can go down there and make 50 or 100 bucks selling hot sauce and get a set in. Um, But if the answer to both those questions is no, I'm not doing your fucking show. Especially now that people have been starved for live entertainment. You know, it's not enough anymore to be like, oh, exposure, fuck you. Yeah. Gas is $6 a fucking gallon. I just emailed someone that had been doing their show for a while because there's always a good crowd and I always sell merch, but was just like, I need to have like, I, Hey, is there any room in the budget for gas money? And I didn't get a response email back, but then I got another email a couple of days later about promo materials for the show. It's like, I know you saw that email. Yeah. All right. And so I'm going to come down and do the show. Cause I said I was going to do the show and I'm going to ask you directly to your face. Is there, is there any money in your budget for gas? And if the answer is no, that's the last time I'm doing that show. You know, it's just like it's if you don't establish what you're worth in an honest manner and know how to ask for what you need, people will always walk over you and you will never make a living doing this.
0: It's good advice, man. Uh, It's uh, stuff that I feel like I'm figuring out later. I mean, I'm literally right behind you is the merch I literally bought for the first time. Look at that! I don't, I don't, I, it's out of context. All right, it's guys, I'm picking.
2: A, I'm picking up the shirt here, uh, audience at home. <laughs> Ezekiel's madness. Laugh for a cure. Donations payable to
0: Eric Hellwig.
2: Yeah. Ezekiel is this a Mormon joke? Ezekiel? Is it a religious it's a joke? A
0: joke about an old dog, okay. named Ezekiel. There you go. That's the. We'll see. I've never sold merch before, but I booked a. Uh, I booked a theater gig in Temecula in nice. June. And they're like, we're selling merch afterwards. So I was like, all right, I guess that means I'm at a point now where I'm going to start you selling headlining merch. Are you just part of a show? I'm headlining. That's excellent, man. I got. It. I wanted. A, I want a comedy festival. That's right. Like that it, you were,
2: we talked at up top. I keep a track of what you're up to, man. And you keep you keep fucking winning these uh, these prizes. Keep winning shit.
0: Yeah, it's been a good. I'm on a good run right now, which has been uh, just been nice. We should. Are you a sports fan? Always. You said you're in Illinois. You were two hours south of Chicago. Yeah, so I mean, but I grew up like
2: I grew up in and around Chicago. So so like, Bears, Bears, Bulls, White Sox,
0: Blackhawks, no Cubs. I'm curious about the no Cubs. You added Cubs in. You felt that was necessary well, after White Sox.
2: Yeah, because people people assume Chicago. There's two. There's there's two baseball teams, and uh, I grew up on the south side, and my team is the White Sox. I don't root for the Cubs. Yeah, I'm not gonna like piss on you for liking the Cubs uh, because I don't care anymore and I'm a grown
0: ass man, but like, I don't that's not my team. When the White Sox won 2004, was that with the Conerco and Thomas and those guys?
2: Mm -hmm. Yep, Mark Burley, that was a Ozzy Gian was the head coach. I have a uh, World Series laser etched cigar from the World Series win Uh, my father got, because my father was pretty plugged in, like, he was a mechanic in Chicago, worked for uh, Navy Pier and, you know, McCormick Place, like, big deal, and, like, he knew people that knew people that knew people, that's just the way it is in Chicago, and he was a cigar guy, so, like, he acquired, and they made all these, like, like big money, laser-etched cigars, so if, like, you look at the, like, the tobacco leaf of a cigar, the White Sox, when they won, they had burnt in the leaf of the cigar, World Series champions. Hell yeah. So I've got one of those cigars in a fucking glass tube that's sealed. My dad saw Ozzy Guillen at a fucking restaurant. Okay. (laughs) And he just so happened to have that cigar with him.
0: Wait, uh, did he have his sealed too or no? No, no, no. He was just carrying the... My
2: father had it in his pocket. Okay. He just so happened to have it. I don't know why. And he walked up to Ozzy Guillen... And Ozzy Gien signed the fucking glass tube. <laughs> with, so I have, it's sitting on my shelf in my garage, a fucking World Series White Sox cigar with Ozzy Gien's signature on the How side How fucking of- random that your dad would have had that on him. He's just, that's who he was, man. Like that's, I mean, the dude knew a lot of people and everybody loved him. And, like, he was just a, he was a man about town. He was a networker. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's a heavy equipment mechanic, spent his entire life working in the rail yards, wrenching on shit, getting metal shavings in his hand. But, like, he was a big union guy. He was a, a, you know, local 150 operating engineer. And he took care of all those people, and they took care of him. It was, like, a brotherhood of people that fucking worked their dicks off, you know. And so it's, like, that's... You know, people call, like people don't know this, but Chicago is the windy city. It's not because of the wind; it's because of the politics and like the labor unions and stuff like that is a very political thing. So, like, he knew people that knew people. Like, like you can ask me, like, do you know a guy that does this or that? And I know people that do things. You just acquire people that do things that are different from what you do. Yeah, you know, and that's like, you got a guy, you got a guy, and it's it's no different in comedy. You know, like you got to like be. Be easy to work with, be undeniably funny, and be fucking useful. That's it. Like and that's just being a human being. Like just be easy to work with. Be as good as you can be at the thing that you like doing. And like fucking that's it. And try to help without expecting anything in return.
0: Now I know something about unions. All I knew was <laughs> the least popular season of the wire. That was oh, the extent yeah. of my union knowledge.
2: Yeah. I mean look, <laughs> I mean it's the same thing with every industry that there's there's like People that take advantage of the systems, but you can go down yeah. the list: doctors, nurses, uh, insurance agents, salespeople. Like it just like there's always I like
0: you gesture to me as you people who just fucking live on the live on the margins. No, and...
2: <laughs> I was pointing at you because it's just like you said you were in sales, <coughs> right, and like you right. said, like there's certain people that fucking do the kind of sales that you're just not comfortable doing. Yeah, yeah. And so it was more a gesture to 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 what you said earlier than it was to like you and your skill set. Gotcha. Uh-huh.
0: I didn't really take offense to it. No,
2: I know. But <laughs> since it's not a video podcast, you
0: had to Yeah, you have it. to
2: really fucking provide the imagery of what's happening here. Are
0: the, uh, you mentioned the White Sox. Well, you mentioned the, the the not Cubs is the part that caught my attention, but are the White Sox, if you're rank, ranking your allegiance, are they the first one? What sport are you the most into? Yeah, I'm into? a
2: baseball guy. I'm a baseball guy mostly, like White Sox, Bears, and then like, to a lesser extent, the Bulls and the Blackhawks. Um, you know, I don't keep up with as much sports as I used to. Like, I love watching a game. I'll lo- I love going to any baseball game. Like, I I mean, I've been to Philly Stadium. Like, I like going to professional ball games. Yeah. Um, I just don't have time to keep up like I used to. Like, the only reason I keep up with football is because I fucking play fantasy football with some of my dipshit buddies in, co- in college. And we've been playing in the same league for years and years now. And it's like sometimes the only way I get to communicate with them is... Fucking playing fantasy sports, taking their money. I did. I won this year. I was the little team that
0: could. I won this year too, and it was fucking incredible. The the only better feeling of winning was uh, knowing how much it bothered some of them. Oh, like it really uh, get like some of them really take it seriously, uh and the fucking text chain. They're half of the text Uh, on there. Yeah,
2: these these dipshits tried to veto some trades of mine (laughs) and shit towards the end of the season. I think I had like a fucking I had a winning record but it wasn't great. I think like at the end of the season like I it was just like I barely made the playoffs. And then yeah, I yeah. steamrolled everybody. Like I, like I was beating 11 in 2 teams. Like That's great. you know just fucking and, uh, you're
0: the Giants, man. You just
2: fucking took off at the right time. Exactly. <laughs> I think mean, my my team stayed healthy. That was. I mean, that's that's fantasy sports in in the, the age of the pandemic is like whose team stay can stay healthy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, remember 2020 football was just like they had no fucking preseason, and everybody's like, why is everybody getting injured? Because they fucking didn't ease into the fucking sport.
0: Yeah, you're. Yeah, the secret <laughs> the secret to COVID fantasy football was. Please don't fuck a stripper this week, guy I drafted.
2: Yeah, or That's please all. don't get drunk and drive your Porsche off the side of the road. Did that happen? Oh, dude. Like, look at the... If you Google some of these dipshit fucking athletes, <laughs> like, fuck... It's, it's just it's nuts. It's like, it's so nuts. You, like, you have one job, which you know. is like, don't get caught. That's it. Like, I don't care. Do what you want to do. Like, I'm not judging anybody for their fucking, like, what they do on the side. Like, you want to go, go bang prostitutes and do blow?
0: Cool. One, you know, one show, life. show up for work on Monday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't make it my business. You know, there was a show that used to be on ESPN called, I think it was called Playmakers. It was back, like, when I was in high school. And I remember watching it being like, this is fucking ridiculous. They were just showing football player. I mean, it was beyond the steroids. It was, like, every crazy thing you would... It felt like a, a highly dramatized show, It got canceled, like, the NFL basically told ESPN, you have to, if you keep playing this, we're not going to have games on your network. Like, you have to cancel this show. And then I was listening to an interview with, I can't even remember who it was, some player that was like, that show is 100% accurate. Mm -hmm. It's the craziest shit that you've ever seen. Like, everything on that show that happened is stuff that I watched firsthand. The reason it's canceled is because it was like, it was not over-dramatized at all.
2: Yeah, there's a, there's a really good documentary series on Netflix called Bad Sport. And it goes through all these different types of sports where the athletes were like criminals. <laughs> yeah. Whether it's juicing or gambling or whatever. I mean, fuck. Like you look at that, uh, that Mets team.
0: Oh, uh, Dykstra, man. Oh, Are you talking about the '86 team. Yeah, 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 Lenny Dykstra and He's, fucking Daryl. St- Lenny Dykstra is still fried
2: out of his fucking. Mind. Lenny Dykstra.
0: I'm a Philly fan, so Dykstra was on the '93 team. He's uh-huh. one of my. He was one of my guys growing yeah, yeah, up. Yeah, uh, he was a great player. Dude, he he went on my friend's podcast and was like, fucking. He was out. He's out of his mind.
2: Yeah, dude, that's what happens when you do uppers for a lot of years. Like, it's <laughs> just like you, it just changes the chemistry in they, your brain.
0: They, my my buddies booked him for like a. Like, what they usually have guys on for 30 would he, or 40 minutes. Would he on the charge pod. him like two hundred bucks. I don't even know if he charged them. I know that they they ended the interview after eight minutes because they were like, really? Yeah, they were like, this won't. We can't play this on Apple Podcasts. Like, he was just fucking out of his mind bananas he's a he's in legit insane person
2: yeah good old daryl strawberry i think strawberry got sober and shit so when you see interviews about that 86 mets team and fucking you're interviewing daryl strawberry he's got his shit together but then they put lenny dykstra on and it's like it looks like the dude's got tourettes he's just moving around in his chair like
0: yeah man he didn't uh he never stopped there's a book about the expos in the seventies called Up Up and Away and the whole by the way, we I we gotta get you out of here in like five minutes, right? hmm Yeah. Um The whole book could just be called We All Did Cocaine in the Seventies. <laughs> like that's Well you wanna
2: if you wanna read a fucking gnarly book about an athlete, read the fucking Ty Cobb biography called Cobb. Yeah? That dude was a piece of shit.
0: Yeah, yeah. He was a
2: monster piece of shit. Like I'm talking like fucking sharpening the metal cleats to a point to fucking stab people when he was sliding. He was a horrible racist. I think the, like his only friend in life towards the end of his life was like fucking, And I'm gonna butcher this. It's like, so don't fact check me on this sports nerds. All right. (laughs) It, It was like, Carl Ustremski or something like that. Like some other old, old fucking ball player. And then even he stopped hanging out with him like in his (laughs) 70s and 80s because he was just just a piece of shit. Like I guess Ty Cobb got into a fight with like the electric company and the guy who was writing the biography is like, yeah, we had to run an extension cord from the neighbor's house over to Ty's house because like he refused to pay the electric company and like I needed to run my typewriter and uh, and a lamp. Like, dude. the dude was just, and he put up some of the biggest numbers in fucking sports history. did he
0: bat 400? Was that him? He's, something, uh, something, something like that. Like He's got some, records.
2: Yeah, it's like bases, stolen records, batting, yeah, like yeah. just ever and it was back in the day where, like, you played every position. <laughs> where it's like you, <laughs> like the pitchers would pitch, like, 10 days in a row. <laughs> yeah,
0: each team had, like, one starter. Yeah. He's also their center fielder on the days he rests his arm. Yeah, those were the days, man. Look, Dave, I got to get you out of here because you uh, you got a show coming up. I but do. Uh, where can the uh, where can the people find you? The people can find
2: me on all social medias, at Yates Comedy, Y A T E S Comedy. I'm on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook. Uh, TikTok is fun. You can watch me scream at hecklers and get seventy seven thousand views. <laughs> My regular jokes don't do well, but I'm uh, eviscerating hecklers which is i guess the trend now so follow me at yates comedy um and then uh, you can also buy my hot sauce if you want to support it's called haha ha hot sauce and you can get it at haha hot com, or you can follow the instagram at haha hot sauce but it's a good way to directly support if you've enjoyed listening to my dumb dumb voice
0: buy a hot sauce they're 10 bucks awesome well, thanks for coming on the show man i really appreciate i'm glad we could like fucking make it happen i felt yeah, like this course, was We were circling it for a while. Yeah, good to see you. Thanks for listening to the show. If you'd like to support us for free, there are many ways to do it. Start by subscribing on whatever platform you're currently listening on. If you're on Apple Podcasts, write a five-star review. And if you're on YouTube, like the video and leave a comment. On erichelwick.com, you can subscribe to the newsletter and click the track button to follow Eric's stand updates and never miss a show when he's in town. To support the podcast financially, visit the merch store via Eric's website. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next show.